And here we go. Episode 114 of The Brian Oak Show. Guess what? My name is Brian Oak. That's why we called it that. It's pretty clever if you think about it, really. If you like step back and look at the bigger picture, that's Sean Bernard right over there. You know, as we still hear the the strains of the ventures and their take on the Hawaii Five O theme, Sean, I remember back in the day when you and I used to still get after it quite a bit, get good and greased and go out. I've watched <laughs> you jump up on stage and sing. Did you ever jump up on stage and grab a conga or a pair of bongos and really show the beatniks how it was done? I was never that guy, but there always seems to be a gal that if there's a fucking tambourine, some <laughs> drunk woman will go up on stage that has zero rhythm, and I'm talking Minnesota clapping. And she's like, <laughs> rhythm. This is my, I'm, I'm a tambo god. I, <laughs> Have you ever queen. seen Minnesotans? Try to clap in unison. Oh, that's why every time I see someone put their hand above their heads to oh, try to get the no. audience involved, I'm like, There's why just... did you do that to this show? This show is going so well. Why? Whether you're ta ta ti ti ta ton ton tiki tall tiki tall ton ton. Yeah, no, it's there. None of that happens. No, that's it's so far out of our purview. We can't do one two. Three, four, <laughs> and remember to clap on the two and the four. Exactly, it's, called, it's not even that fucking tough. It's <laughs> called backbeat, and unless you're James Brown, nobody jams on the one. Okay, so <laughs> just two and four. One, two, three, four. four. One, two. Th- it's super. And I am not musically inclined at all. But son of a bitch, some people are really bad at this. Oh, but then sorry. other people who are good at it. Oh, what's her name from Fits in the Tantrums? Noel. Her tambo game is the strongest I've ever seen in my whole life. She's a killer singer, and her tambo game is mesmerizing. Hard to take your eyes off of her cool. and pay attention to what Fitz is singing. It is the Brian Oak Show, and we've got a great guest coming up for you here who's got a new book on the way about this lovely city we live in. Speaking of, we are recording here in the Smart Start MN studio located in scenic and unseasonably warm South Minneapolis, just south of 48th in Chicago, very near the Parkway. It is a lovely city, and this time of year, with the holidays impending, you would expect it to be snow-covered or very cold. And some years it seems like it's the Antarctic, and other years it seems like you're in Georgia, which happens to be one of these years. We've had temperatures in the 40s all week, and although it's going to start cooling off, there's no snow on the ground. I, does it feel festive? Are you in the holiday? Have you caught the holiday spirit yet? I have because we uh, we decorated earlier than we ever have on Thanksgiving Day. And the reason was my kids are both working now, and... They, we all happen to be home on that day. And had we not done it that day, it would have been some random Thursday before Christmas. So That hits pretty close to home because we're recording this on a Thursday, and that's what my plan is tonight. So um, mm-hmm. I have to go get a tree still. I love getting the tree right away, and this year everyone's schedules have been chaos, which is odd during a pandemic and a lockdown. But I, it, it was a tradition from the time she was an itty-bitty, tiny, teeny for me and my daughter to go without the wife and pick out the Christmas tree. We did it every year for almost 20 years. The last couple of years, she's a little less interested. So I thought, let's try to rekindle some of that old holiday magic this Aww, year. Nice. And I don't mind talking shit about my daughter because she wouldn't listen to this show if I paid her to listen to this show, really, though. Uh, and she is just not interested. I'm like, come on, let's go. We were going to go last night. And then she went out and stayed out till 4 a.m., which is fine. She's a young woman. She can do whatever the hell she wants. Good for her. Have fun. Life is hard and grab it while you can. But what about the old man just sitting there waiting to put up the Christmas tree and throw it in the vehicle and go and get it all? (laughs) Abby, this is your old coach, Jim, talking to you. (gasps) Abby, hang out with your dad. 
I, How hard is it, Abby? I forgot that she was on your basketball team. She's a laser team. cat, man, to the end. A laser, laser cat. You named, you named our team that year. We needed a name. Laser cats. Holy of shit. I, Abby was our center for like three weeks. Well, and then she got Osgood Schlatter syndrome. Oh, that Which is where the yes. kneecap separates yes. My son from the leg, and she never touched a sports ball again. <laughs> That was they were the, the end squir- of it. They were the squirreliest, squirreliest laser cats. Yeah. I remember going <laughs> to see a couple God. games, though. But, uh, yeah, she... My God, my daughter named your basketball team that you coached. I, I forget how many times the lives of our guests today and my own life have interacted. Uh, Jim Walsh is yeah, going baby. to be joining us here. He's joined us several times on the podcast, and for many good reasons. And now another one, already a well-respected some might say Hall of Fame style author, but now he's back again with another book that has a virtual release coming out. And we'll talk about that in just a minute because, you know, we've talked about virtual concerts. We just had Curtis A on here to do the virtual Lennon tribute mm-hmm. just a couple episodes ago, but now a virtual book release. What? Be, who? Nah? And I, <laughs> unfortunately, I just got the PDF of his book today and haven't had a chance to dive as deep as I might like. Although the forward looks fantastic, <laughs> which is very encouraging. We're going to talk to Jim and By more Tommy about Mishke. What's that? By Tommy Mishke. The oh, Tommy really? Mishke, who I just had I a phone call Mishke. with the other day. Sweet. I was on his sort of secondary podcast for about six months. Then huh. everything got shut oh, right. down. I'm like, yes. hey, when are you going to return the favor there, old boy? He's like, yeah, unless you want to do it outside, I'm not doing it. And like with uh, 20 feet between us, which I understand he's taking right. care of his mom and we live in an era of plague and yes. pandemic yeah. and it really nothing is for certain. I did just have for your edification. I did just have my fifth covid test free and clear, baby. This feels safe here in the womb, in the oak womb, in the warm, airtight. <laughs> Does that make us triplets? Does that make us triplets? I just the, want to know. For the next hour, we're absolute, we're, right. we're triplet brothers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. share that placenta, will you? Mm, everybody, <laughs> don't bogart that placenta. <laughs> right, Shit, everyone's reaching for their masks. Always great to see you again, Jim. Always great to see you. I want to hear a song, though, before we get to Jim and the songs he has chosen. Every once in a while, working at a record store, you know, you come across things you're like, oh, that's great. Or, oh, I forgot about that. This had nothing to do with that. I was at home one night and I was like, I want to hear a thing. And I couldn't figure out what it was I wanted to hear. So I started digging through my old archives and then I found the thing. And what I found was a song that is so meticulously produced that is such a beautiful, beautiful, shining beacon of power pop that I literally listened to it 15 times in a row. Wow. I'll never get sick of this song. I love this song so very much, and it is by the East Coast band Fountains of Wayne. And it is both this incredible celebration and exploration and amazing rock moment, but it also was a powerful reminder that for all the difficulties of 2020, real, actual human beings are dying of COVID every single day. So I don't mock anyone wanting to be overly concerned. Those who had to take a pass on Thanksgiving, those who are realizing mm-hmm. they may take a pass on Christmas, any of it. I, You know what? Let's all stay home and stay safe and stay masked up and stay whatever we have to do. Adam Schlesinger was 53 goddamn years oh. old. And the guy, he has produced so many things and written so many things. Fountains of Wayne was only one band he was a part of, but his production savvy is what makes this song more hooks, 
than a tackle box, baby. I'm not joking. This is Fountains of Wayne with Marine on the Brian Oak Show. Turn this one up nice and fucking loud. never get tired of that song one of my favorite pieces of power pop ever crafted pulled from the rocks and the blood and the everything that goes into making an amazing song fountains of wayne on the brian oak show which is supported by smart start mn smart start mn is minnesota's original ignition interlock company certainly there have been many of other uh johnny come latelys 
pretenders to the throne, people who have moved in once they realize, oh, these people did all the hard groundwork of talking to the legislature, of getting the network in place so that when someone has a DUI and makes a mistake, they can get back to living a normal life sooner than they otherwise might by having the ignition interlock installed in their car. They do good work, and more importantly, they're good people, and they've stuck with us through Jesus, 114 episodes? Before we ever cracked the mic, Mike and Ed said, at Smart Start MN, said, we're on board. We want to be the studio sponsors. And they've stuck with us this whole time. Go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show for 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. Today's guest has been a guest on the show before and will be again. He's a guest on the show right now because this coming Wednesday, he has a virtual book release for his latest book. I don't know. Is this his like 42nd or 43rd book? It's hard for me to know exactly. It's called Fear and Loving in South Minneapolis. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to be provincial. It's one thing to be like, I live in the greatest city in the world. But I might actually live in the greatest city in the world. South Minneapolis fucking rules. And it's nice to have a decades-long friend and colleague and associate um, who knows it even better than I do. And um, I love the fact that it's called Fear and Loving in South Minneapolis because that seems to fit at anything we can do to try to turn the tide of 2020, right? This coming Wednesday at Majors and Quinn, which is an incredible bookstore, he will be there uh, along with Liz Winstead, who has also been a guest here on the podcast, but also also an almost impossibly intelligent and hilarious human being like I, you know when jim comes in here he's not afraid of the questions he's going to be asked he can roll with these punches in the in the unflinching eye of liz winstead man i don't it's know be ugly man good luck lizzie and me yeah she might lay you it's out be, it's gonna be uh long and and bloody but, <laughs> but that's kind of how you like it though isn't it we liz and i have spent many late nights hashing out everything together so i I hope it's that kind of vibe and i mean she with her work that she's done all these years just much respect to her and she's she's just a great mind and a great uh interviewer and a great writer and i'm i'm thrilled that she wanted to do it i find that um and again not everything always equates to everything but one of the reasons i complimented her fierce intelligence is i find that being intelligent doesn't automatically make you a great writer or a great interviewer, but to be either of those things, I feel like there needs to be a certain amount of insight or intelligence to go along with those if you're going to be interesting at what you do at all. Yeah. And that was my own backhanded way of complimenting myself. So, <laughs> Well, there it is. <laughs> all right, Jim, how many other books have you written? I know at least two. More? Uh, I wrote, my first book was An Oral History of the Replacements. Right. All Over But the Shouting. Um, and, and an oral history specifically for people who are not, you know, familiar with it means you get quotes and quips from everybody who was involved around that scene, right? Right. And I spent six months doing that. Um, it was, it, it was, that was a very interesting time. It's interesting to think about that because the reason I wanted to do that book was they were my favorite band. I thought everyone, I thought the world was forgetting about them. They were in mothballs. Um, there was not any internet presence, you know, there was no current, there was no, uh, elevating of these bands like the replacements, but mm-hmm. kind of unlike any other band. And I really wanted to put down, uh, what I knew to be true as a skeleton for future fans and, and readers. And I loved them. I mean, they were my 
the, you know, um, uh, that was a hell of a decade, the eighties to spend with that band and, and everybody else, Prince and everybody else. So yeah, uh, replacements was my first book. Um, and I wrote, uh, I did another one with Dennis Pernu, my editor at, uh, Voyager press, which was a photo book that's called wax up, uh, waxed up. Uh, shoes. What is it? Waxed up hair and painted jeans. Thank you. Painted shoes. Waxed up hair and painted shoes. Oh, painted shoes. That's right. And uh, after that was gold experience following Prince in the nineties when Prince died. Um, I, again, as a scribe, as an historian, I wanted to make sure uh, the interviews I did with Prince, all the writings I did with Prince when I worked at the St. Paul Pioneer press um, were compiled. Uh, as a as a piece of history because, you know, as we know now, media, n- newspapers go under and resources are flattened and there is no uh, library at the St. Paul Pioneer Press now. Um, you can get these in the Hennepin Loud. Anyway, I put that together as a book. Uh, I love that book as well. And... Um, my first collection was a music collection that the the University of Minnesota Press wanted to do, bar yarns uh, and manic depressive uh, mixtapes, and that has a lot of my music writing that I was uh, absolutely, you know, on fire about when when I've written about music, and and it really sort of captured um, things in real time and and also just reporting and, and interviews. If I can throw a compliment your direction, I think that, you know, you have been, as you said, a a reporter and a scribe for this scene, not just music, but more music than anything else for more than 30 years. And I think what makes you a compelling figure, what makes your writing an important destination, at least for me personally, is your genuine inquisitiveness and curiosity and concern. It matters to you. And not everybody who writes can articulate that. I believe you when I read what you write about these bands. I feel like I'm there. I feel like somebody else shares my passion for this weird little juncture of space time we've yeah. decided to live in. That's who Jim Walsh is to me. I see the world that way. I mean, thank you. That's that's very kind. I I do see the world that way, just kind of how you described it. And so when I'm out and I am in writing mode, which is most of the time, I am connecting dots and 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 looking for bigger pictures and going this. It's it's like the Fountains of Wayne tune that you just articulated mm. so well. You know, it is that feeling of why does this matter so much to me? Who does this matter to along with me? And I want to write to that. You know, and it's um, it's very um, it's it's steeped in me I've, I've had it since i was a kid this it's very irish it's very um and i and i don't mean that to demean any other human experience or or describe my own that way but it just more as the older i get it feels that way more and more this you know part of my roots part of the the very soul and soil of this place minneapolis minnesota and United States of America, but very much Ireland too. Um, so yeah, bar yarns, uh, that, that came out and, uh, uh, I love that that exists. Um, and I love that this exists, uh, fear and loving in South Minneapolis. It's, uh, the cover is very cool. 
Um, and there's a bunch of stories that are very important to me. And, uh, and it's just kind of a, you know, it's a very personal kind of vulnerable book at times. And, uh, we're going to dig deeper into your book momentarily, but if we go more than 20 minutes into this podcast without playing another song, (laughs) nobody's going to listen and hear what the actual book is about. So we're going to hear a song first. When we come back, we're going to do a deeper dive on fear and loving in South Minneapolis, which is on the way virtually actually available now. Yes. It is. Yeah, but the the actual release party where we can dig even deeper on that is coming up on Wednesday. Before that, though, I asked you to pick three songs that you would like to play when you came in here. Indeed. And we're going to go in the order that you chose them. So here we're going to go with the band that was so definitive for me in the 80s, as definitive, if you will. I mean, I grew up here as well, and so I loved... Husker Du. I loved the suburbs. I loved Prince. I loved so much that was happening here. But then you have to cast a wider net. And as I was a young guy who was just deciding there was a bigger world of music out there, my big three probably in 82, 83, 84 were B-52s, U2, and the band you chose right here probably the most definitive band of my teenage years this came a little bit after that but one of my all-time favorite i love this band so deeply those first five records i would make an argument in fact i could do a five-part series podcast i would argue that no other american band has come out with five stronger albums out of the gate from their debut to album number five than this band you're choosing right here yeah, I mean, I, I picked this because uh, one of the columns I wrote is headline Night Swimming, and it's the pieces about the joy of being naked in Lake Harriet. I was going to say, have you have you done any <laughs> yes. late night? I'm, yes. In oh, high yes. school, we would drive Every down summer. from Coon, Na- yes. Coon Rapids. I have been naked in all of the lakes except for Lake of the Isles. Nice. Yeah. Very good night swimming. So, yeah. And they probably inspired you. As much as anyone. Also girls. (laughs) R.E.M. on The Brian Oak Show.
One of the great things about knowing someone like Jim Walsh, you know, it's an occupational hazard. He's not a name dropper, but he's had occasion over <laughs> 35 plus years to be in some of the most unusual, interesting, unlikely and wonderful situations. Like you just said, I mean, I, I hate it when the best stories are told when the microphones aren't on about being at Nice and, you know, the a, a band that contained two members of R.E.M., the baseball project, were in town and there was nobody there to watch them. And you sat at the piano bar and sang with Mike Mills. Yeah, we just it was just it was a piano bar that night. And it, it was before John Eller was doing it. Too. Mm-hmm. It was uh, whatever her name was. And oh, I said, yeah, man. Let's, Ruth. Yeah. No, 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 it was Joyce. No, it was what was that guy's name? There was another dude that did it for a while. I, I, I have pictures of him. I can't remember right now. But right. I just said, "Hey, man, you want to sing Georgia on my mind?" <laughs> Do I know you? That's a good <laughs> idea. That's a good idea. And you did. And how was the rendition? Was it any good? It was me and him, so yeah, it was beautiful. It was perfect, exactly <laughs> right. Jim Walsh has a brand new book called Fear and Loving in South Minneapolis. So tell me about the... Actually, I got two questions. One, when you decide you're going to do a project, is it important to, as we were taught in school, to have an outline, to have a mission statement, or does it just kind of come together and then you decide what it's going to be? So first of all, I want to know about the creative process, but then... What the hell is this book about? That's the other thing I want to know. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, as a writer, as a newspaper writer, as a, and a journalist, I've loved collections. I love essay collections. And so as I came up as a writer, somewhere that got planted, either with Lester Bangs's collections, Griel Marcus's connections, rock critic collections, but also daily columnists often have done collections. So in my 30s, as I came up at the Pioneer Press, someone said that to me early on. You should think about doing a collection. So somewhere that, and I don't think everyone thinks that way, right? I'm done with my collections now. You know, I feel really good that these exist. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you do that, you write a book proposal, you form it in your head, you form the chapter ideas, you form, you kind of describe why you think this is important, why it should be a book. And then the publishing house either says yay or nay. And I'm lucky because University of Minnesota Press, not only are they a great and well-respected publishing house, um, you know, wonderful catalog. Uh, I'm proud to be part of it. And they published this in a pandemic, along with their entire catalog for fall and, and winter. Right. Amazing. Which, well, Titles. I mean, you can you can have books, you know, in this coming dark winter. Well, and thank God, because, you yeah. know, working at a record store... Business is actually up year over year at the record store because people are stuck at home and there right. is far less that you used to be able to do. So people who already were like, oh, I buy a record every once in a while. I got to imagine it's the same thing with with bibliophiles, like the people who love to read. My God, you got plenty of time to read right now. And that is the truth. And that's something you pivot to. And I, I, I luckily, I, you know, listening, playing, reading and writing. And it's there's a lot of time for all four of those things that I really, you know, those are food for me. Um, I know. I noted that he left ping pong out. Uh, <laughs> totally that left too. That out. Those five things. Those five <laughs> things is what he meant. Food. I mean, those are these are the four <laughs> that I can think of today. <laughs> um, Your book, Fear and Loving in South Minneapolis. Tell me. So much like. Um, the elevator pitch or the mission statement, what is the living, breathing, central spinal column of fear and loving in South Minneapolis? It's it's through the prism of my eyes and my you know mind and heart as a writer. What I found interesting when I was here, uh, what happened to me when I was here, and... So is this story a biography? The, is it your journey through South Minneapolis over the years? No, it's a collection of... of you know, previous columns and, right. and stories that uh, make up, you know, a big slice of life from not only South Minneapolis, that's just the title, but, you know, lots of stuff from, from around the world. And, and just, um, it's a good read. It's a good, quiet, uh, heartfelt read about um, this town, this this state, and people and and places in it uh you know what i love oral histories and essay collections and column collections is because i do a lot of reading on the shitter and (laughs) exactly they i and and so i said that to kind of be shocking but i also like i i don't have those four hour chunks to sit down and digest half of a book like i you know i got these little slices (laughs) in my life where Mm -hmm. i i try to fit reading in and 
I don't mean to diminish the quality of your work or the importance of this collection, but that's kind of where I'm like, I got 10 minutes. I'm going to bang mm-hmm. through one of these articles and it doesn't make it any less interesting. doesn't make it any less no. important or poignant. I just, that's I need how they to were have... written too. And, and I've been thinking about it. It's, it. This is my TikTok. This is my version of TikTok. I love TikTok. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, one of the main discoveries I've had this year to keep me sane that people are good, that there's optimism and hope and hilarity in this world. And these are stories like that. You know, some of them, you know, not, they're not all one note, but you know, it, it's my version of TikTok. That's my, uh, that's my elevator speech with less dancing. Yes. A little, little less, less dancing. dancing. Although, dancing. although maybe we'll have to do a promotional TikTok video for this particular episode. <laughs> hmm. Speaking of it is the Brian Oak show over there is Sean Bernard. Sean, you, before we get to this next song, which I'm very excited about because I love this song. Um, you, in addition to your work, your crucial important and influential work with the brian oak show you're also a realtor for edina realty how is that is it is it the most wonderful time of the year it was no it, it's still, <laughs> it still is no 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 things are oh. things are great it's been a I've, I've felt very fortunate this year i was actually so busy it kind of got a little out of control and what a what a blessing what an amazing thing that was it's finally slowed down enough that i got to escape with my wife down to lanesboro uh, which was really nice. Just do a nice little overnight with my wife after being so busy. Stop it, Brian. Stop. I just, I don't, I'm sitting here listening to your story. Well, Brian, we talked about that. <laughs> so no, just had a great time with her. But if you know somebody, it doesn't even have to be you, but if you know somebody, <laughs> we are just children, aren't we? Not if you know somebody, communication. If you know somebody who's looking to buy or sell, have them call me or text me at 612-859-2594. You didn't look at me. Is that number also textable? It's text-worthy. Text-worthy? Yes. Textastic is what it also is. Jim Walsh is our guest, and before we talk more about his book release, his virtual book release, with none other than Liz Winstead, by the way, and I know that you're used to consorting with the hoi polloi, with rubbing elbows with the prettier members of society. But talk about just such a brilliant, wonderful person to have moderate an interview with you about your stories, about this collection. I'm very excited about it. That's cool. And people can take part in it. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But first, I want to go back to a song uh, that you picked to be your next song. And I want to know why you chose The Clash, Police on My Back. This is from a, uh, I mean, many of the headlines have to do with uh, music. Uh, the headline for this particular column was police off my kids back after the Minneapolis police threw my son up on their on the hood of a car their cruiser handcuffed him put him in the back a couple blocks from our house and I wrote about it and this was pre a lot of things but it was still uh, the same problems that we've had uh, that have come to light this year with George Floyd Polando Castile before that Jamar Clark Brianna Taylor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, this was how it hit my family, and it was a very, uh, you know, I'm glad I wrote it. It was in the Southwest Journal. Rest in peace, Southwest Journal. Last issue coming up December 17th. And, uh, yeah, outrageous what what the Minneapolis cops have, have done um, for decades, you know. It, it, and, uh, and, here it comes, you know. The Clash, ACAB. <clears throat> 
on the Brian Oak Show. So I know that a lot of people already think of me as a know-it-all prick, but can I just add a little more fuel to that fire? If you must. That song that we just heard, do you know who wrote that song? Your mom. (laughs) Dude, my mom listens to this show, (laughs) you piece of crap. Sorry, Judy. Sorry, Judy. Uh, No, do you remember an 80s so-called one-hit wonder, we're going to rock down to Electric (gasps) Avenue and then we'll take it higher? No way. Eddie Grant, before he was a solo so-called reggae pop artist, Working was so part of... like a soldier. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They can't... Okay, anyway. Um, we could have, have done that for a long time. Rock, by the way? 
What's that? Lovers Rock. Uh-oh. You seen it? Me neither. But it's supposed to be great. Okay. <laughs> from that from that era, era London reggaeton. And so stuff. yeah, no, yeah. L- London had this love affair with second wave ska before mm. all the specials and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff came. Nineteen sixty seven. Mm-hmm. One wow. of the very first interracial bands was called The Equals, mm. and they have an album called Baby Comeback. That if you ever find a copy of it, buy it. In fact, go online right now and don't Spotify it, don't stream it. Go fucking buy music, man. Music, all art has value. Writers have value. Maybe buy Jim's book. Just a thought. Or spread the PDF all around. <laughs> Actually, I'll just get you a copy of it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Your retirement's set already, isn't Eddie, it? <laughs> Eddie Grant was in... Eddie, <laughs> oh, it's a room full of sad trombones, if you know what I mean. Eddie Grant was in The Equals, 1967. They put out that record, Baby Come Back. The original version of that song, Police on My Back, on that record, right on. hugely influential because all these post-punk and punk artists who came up, they loved the reggae stuff, you know? Although for my money... White guys doing reggae. I'll go with the police over the clash every time. My name is Brian Oak, and it is the Brian Oak Show, episode 114. Sandinista? No, I do that on purpose just to mess with you. <laughs> Although Sandinista is a hot mess, let's be honest. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's see, their version see, of the see, White see. Album. It is too long and too crazy, and none of it belongs with each other, and it's a mess, but see. it's also an important record. Yes. Much like the White Album. Before we get back to... And Regatta de Blanc. What? Really a much more of a Zenyatta Mandata guy myself, but, you know, that's also a fine record. Um, <clears throat> Buster's on 28th is a local restaurant. And when I talk to about South Minneapolis, fear and loving in South Minneapolis, there are so many unique and wonderful places that make this town what it is. Now, mom and pop shops are obviously where you want to go. Oh, look at that happening right oh, there. One of the gifts we try to give everyone who comes in here is a go gift eat. card. Going tonight to Busters. to Busters, and also don't forget to take a tote bag on your way out. You're probably like, I already have eighty your fucking tote bags. Brian. I do not. This is oh. the first time I've ever been offered one of your tote bags. Well, you haven't Selfish. gotten it yet, guy. Okay. Oh, oh. easy guy. <laughs> anyway, Busters on Twenty Eighth. They are a great foodery. They are a great drinkery. If you're into the drinking thing, unfortunately, now with the new shutdown, which I fully support, by the way, as much as I want these businesses to succeed, I don't want to live like this for another three years. Put on your fucking mask and stay at home. But but get takeout on your way home, especially from places that know what they're doing, like Buster's on 28th. Yeah, and if you actually really want them to survive, buy gift cards, because you can use those anytime, or buy them as gifts for other people. But you can even buy them for yourself if you want to. Get gift cards. They make great stocking stuffers, Not Brian. only stocking stuffers. So Buster'sOn28th.com is where you go if you want to do that. But here's the thing. like I've always heard people over the many years I've been alive, too many years, say that cash or gift cards are an impersonal gift. That is, some of, that is one of the giantest piles of bullshit I've ever heard in my life because although it doesn't say, I thought about you long and hard, what it does say is... I don't want to stick you with some piece of crap that you're never... Here's a novelty ashtray, or yeah. here's a fun collection of paper clips based on <laughs> Welcome Back, Cotter. Or <laughs> That would be kind of sweet. Well, it, it's interesting, <laughs> but you're never going to do anything with them. It's not like you're going to display them or put them on your car hood and drive around with them for people to see. Giving people cash or gift cards to places like Buster's on 28th, I think, is an excellent gift for the holidays or really any day. Why can't every day be a holiday, Sean? Busters on 28th.com. It is the Brian Oak Show. Jim Walsh is our guest. And I could I could talk to Jim forever. You know, when we, as I said before, I was kind of saying it jokingly, but you have had occasion to rub elbows with just about everybody whose name has mattered in the last 
long time here in town. You've also found yourself in some great situations, but you've also been an an ardent and focused and and a a reliable member of a free press. And yeah. we live in an era where I'm not saying the fascists have won, every, you know, everything's ruined, but we are in an era where because the money that used to support the infrastructure that kept the press alive and, you know, the press, like most media, benefits from more people being a part of it. But if they can't afford to pay those people, then it goes away. You talking about Southwest Journal. Last time you were on the podcast, we talked about City Pages. And these are only two examples, but that sort of remote local reporting and honesty, mm. none of us benefit the less of that there is, right? I mean, it, it, it puts us in a dangerous and perilous situation. While we were listening to that song, you brought up the point that things like this, a podcast that is sort of hyper-local like the Brian Oak Show is, and immediate, but it's also dangerous. Like, you you don't want... I'm not a journalist. I don't know the first thing about fucking journalism. I do like to swear, and I don't enjoy that about the podcast, but I do care about this town. But there may be people who feel very differently that care about this town that come at things from an entirely different angle do you like where we're going? Do you think that people operating like me without an editorial staff or some sort of higher code, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Well, the loss of papers like City Pages and the Southwest Journal is is tragic. Tragic. I couldn't Period. agree more. Tragic. Um, people are going to continue to write stories, have podcasts, and blogs, vlogs, everything, whatever. Right. But the infrastructure of journalists working, getting paid for their stories, either salary or freelance with health benefits, that's over. Maybe and, even a 401k. And, and as a profession, then it, it leaves you high and dry. Now, can you do it for free? You can. I, I, I have written plenty for free because the stories don't stop coming. That's what haunts me. Where do these stories go? These little stories in these little papers, they're not going to be done by, you know, the, the legacy papers. Um, business is opening. This is, what I, this is what I just wrote for my last piece for the uh, kind of farewell piece for the Southwest Journal. You know, I'll just, I'll just tell you my column basically. It was a few years ago I picked up the Southwest Journal off my stoop, you know, printed newspaper, took it out of its bag, and on the cover was the story of Cloud Man, right? The Cloud, Man, Cloud Man who was a Dakota, uh, one of the first people in this area, and his village was over at Bede Makaska. Mm. This was above the fold. This was the Southwest Journal. Big picture, big headline, Cloud Man. Basically, Cloud Man was here. <laughs> and I just, I was like, and as I wrote, I've, I've never been prouder to be part of that newspaper, but more to the point I've never been luckier as a reader to pick that thing up and learn. I read that story wire to wire, and it connected me with this place, with that paper, with that journalist, and... That is why I have so adamantly, as you say, been a local writer and journalist, um, because it's it it is in you to some degree to care about a, a plot of earth, 
and and I have just passionately. Um, and it it's it's cold, man. It's Wednesdays are weird without city pages. I think mm-hmm. uh, the Southwest Journal is is leaving us, and that every two weeks that's come out, and there have been, you know, I mean, my daughter. <laughs> one of the last stories was. You know, my daughter and my favorite, like, Jamba Juice just closed. Just little things like that. Wow. It's like, as a society, you have little things you talk about like that. And they weren't huge Pulitzers, but they they make up the sinew of a place and a town. It's very much the fabric of it. On right. our most recent podcast prior to this one, episode 113, we talked to Jeff Olson, who does Mornings at Cool 108. And we joked around about holiday music and all that kind of stuff. But we also talked about his early days. And while it might not have the same sort of uh, moral integrity of proper journalism, what is similar when you're talking about things on a smaller scale is we talked a lot about coming up through small town radio, yeah. where you talk about the things that happen in right a community. On of only mm-hmm. 3,000 people, 2,000 people. And these things, it's everybody listens. And right. you know, if the, when, the, when the high school football team is on, everybody's got that yeah. thing tuned. That kind of stuff is the stuff that weaves us together. And so while it is wonderful to have the World Wide Web and essentially the amassed knowledge and over-opinionation of humankind available at the click of a couple of buttons... It can rob you of a sense of immediacy or a sense of what's important locally. I think that you have to look outside yourself and outside your own immediate purview. But even here, when Sean asked me early on, like, what are we going to make this about? I didn't know. So I just started calling people I knew to start doing interviews and doing this podcast. Yeah. And we've come to learn over the course of 114 episodes this at least for now, with some exceptions, every once in a while we'll reach outside ourselves or, you know, out punt our coverage. But really, it's about the area we live in. It's mm-hmm. about telling the stories of the people who are here, be they musicians, rabbis, politicians, whoever. It, it's an important part. Now, do I pretend like there's any sort of important journalistic aspect no, to this wait, podcast? I, wanna, I think that's important to think about the value of that. And I'm, I'm thinking about driving on a road trip and you, and you catch a small town radio station, you tune into it because mm-hmm. they're reading, oh, the obituary page from the local paper. And they're just going like this and Mabel, da, 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 da. To me, that's riveting. I'm sorry. I will listen to 10 minutes of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Now, what impact does that have on me as a l- listener, citizen, human, writer, Etc. You know, I'm fascinated by that. So I don't think it's you can't you can't diminish, um, because it's not big the smallness and and you know just utter you know importance of small stories. So yeah, so what's community say, building? Uh, I mean, that's is. the thing. It's it's, yeah, yeah. it's community building, and and I totally agree with you. In fact. I'm somebody that's kind of the family genealogist as well. And I look back and I look back at the old articles and I see my great, great aunt who was hosting some event. And even, even the old Minneapolis star used to highlight that sort of thing. But that's what worries me. It's hard to not sound like grandpa as soon as you say this, but it's just what you know, though. I mean, when you talk about the Star Tribune archives, it's really interesting to look back how many every years you want to look back beyond the tone and everything. The small things that were covered, like you're talking about, a kid, you know, had an ice cream stand or something, mm-hmm. and it was before, you know, corporate and conglomeration, et cetera. It was just driven by the 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 primal need to hear stories and to connect. Yeah, 
and to connect yeah. and to yeah. relate. And that's the thing that worries me about the next 20 years. You know, guys like you have helped people connect to their own community. Where You can't tell me that any form of social media is going to do that in the next 20 years. And I'm sorry, but there are so many hack bloggers and vloggers out there. For people to intelligently articulate what's happening in the community with the passion that writers like you have done, where is that going to come from? You know, the youth. I mean, there's great, you know, there's great writers coming up. Yeah. The hope. Um, there's there's all of it. I mean, when we, we were talking about this, it's because you guys do this podcast. This is content, to use that word, mm-hmm. good content, to use that. And that's never going to stop. Um, no matter if, you who unless you guys pull the plug. And that's the beauty of it. That's very punk rock. And... DIY and all of that. Mm-hmm. So here we are. I've been there in the 80s, in the late 70s, DIY, that idea. Okay. And here we are again. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more tools for it um, to to do your DIY. And that gives me great hope, always. You know, And I'm, I see stuff on social media all the time that I think is cool. Um, great writing, great memorials, great memories. Um so there, that it's intact. It's just for me. It's like this year, just given you know what we've all lived through, and then you know the gutting of these papers. Mm. Uh, it feel it makes it feel colder, um, and therefore, uh, yeah, I think I, I'm happy for this book being kind of a uh, a, a balm that way. Here, it's stitched between two covers. It's in black and white ink, and it says, you know, we lived through this and more to come. One of the reasons I love working at a record store, and again, it, it, I know I'm going to sound like Grandpa who wore an onion on his belt when he was a young man because that was the style at the time. Uh, I, the artifact, the process, and I know, I know that sounds old-fashioned to a lot of people. I love pulling a record out. I love putting it on. Mm-hmm. I like to mm-hmm. gingerly set down the needle because mm-hmm. those fuckers are expensive. And and then to mm-hmm. look at the art and read the liner notes. I like that. So that when you talk about the art of holding a book, I and there was a name for it. I meant to look it up before I came here today, but of course I can't be bothered because I'm only somewhat professional. Um, <laughs> there's a name for the phenomenon of yes. buying stacks of books. Yeah. That you haven't read yet or or, or maybe will never read. (laughs) And I fell in love about 10 years ago. I mean, I liked him a lot when I was a kid, but I fell in love with uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s sci-fi pulp paperbacks, mainly for the art alone. And I found a couple places where you can get them for a dollar or two dollars. And I'm like, that cover art I would pay five dollars for, even if I never read this freaking book. In my room right now on the nightstand... No exaggeration. There may be 45 of those books <laughs> of which I've read three. And so, the, but the artifact, the smell of it, when I yeah. pull it out of its plastic sleeve and it yeah. smells like 1962. Yeah. I wasn't there in 1962, but I'm <laughs> guessing that's what I always it tell this like. story. I walked into the DMV at Southdale and, and, uh, it was packed. There were like 60 people there. Oh, I've been always. waiting in line, right? Only person in the place. Brian's got his head down, buried in a paper bag. <laughs> I forgot Remember about that. that. We didn't know each other very well. I go, I love you, man. Yeah, it, it was Downey Diner, right? Yep. You, because I'm like, one could, man, could... one man reading a book, <laughs> one out of 60, no one else. Everyone else staring up at the screens, 
wondering what number they are. And Brian, it's going to get done. I'm reading about Mars. Well, I, look, man, I thought I could be here for four hours. What do I have a lot of? I've got a lot of sci-fi pulp paperback novels. You have a book on the way, which I look forward to digging through. And as much as I appreciate you sending me the PDF, I'm probably going to have to get my ass on I get, get an actual copy. Fear and Loving nice. in South Minneapolis, this coming Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central Time here in the Upper Midwest, you are going to be doing a live stream with none other than Liz Winstead from Majors and Quinn who, by the way, pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, post-pandemic, support places like Majors and Quinn. Bookstores are fucking awesome. Go to half price, but in the meantime, go to Majors and Quinn, get a gift card for somebody. So if someone wants to go, they can purchase admission to this particular live stream, and then I imagine they'll get the instructions there on YouTube or some other thing that I don't understand because I'm not very good at the internet. I'll put it out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that, so it'll be easy. And thanks for this, you guys. I appreciate it greatly. Thank you. You You are local heroes, Don't say it's like it's over, man. You're coming oh. back. You know, <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, no, no, we're done for today, but don't say it like you're never coming back here again. You know you're going to be back on this show. Please, please tell me when. I'll write it down. Okay, well, okay, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I, well, I do have a this calendar in front of me. This is my third Oak Show appearance. I know it is, and so let's, let's go comfy. ahead, let's go ahead and enjoy the magic of this particular book release, and then we'll figure out what's next in 2021, all right? Perfect. Happy holidays, man. Thanks, lads. Cheers. Thank you. All right, we're going to uh, wrap it up now, but before we do, you did pick one more song, and... Uh. I don't ever ask people to justify their choices. I just want them to explain it because here's what I love. The reason I make sure that the guests choose a few songs themselves when they come in, one of the most interesting inroads into someone's life is me. You know, Anthony Bourdain always talked about if you want to know a people, if you want to know a culture, sit down and have a meal with them. Mm-hmm. Like that, that that was the inroad. And for me, because I love music so much, even if it's not my favorite kind, I love the stories of why somebody loves something, why a song or a band is important to that or this one record maybe it reminds them of a certain time maybe they just think it fucking rocks whatever it is those are my favorite stories to hear which is a big part of this podcast as well we're going to end with this incredible band not a surf why did you pick this song sometimes i think that i very soon will you know my next thing will be a not a surf tribute band um go on well <laughs> matthew cause is a great writer he liked one of my tweets the other day because yeah, I, w- I was up past my bedtime and I couldn't get the song Do It Again out of my head. Uh, and so I yeah, shared, yeah. Um, uh, I think the lyric was, uh, maybe the way it was a gift, like I had to see how much I could lift. I was having not the best night and I tweeted that and uh, and then wished everybody well and said, maybe just try to get through tomorrow. Maybe that's all there is. Yeah. And when I woke up in the morning, Matthew Cause, lead singer and main songwriter of Not A Surf, had liked my tweet. Yeah, baby. And like a 14-year-old girl, I <laughs> it started my day off on the most beautiful note and I felt 100% better. I'm sorry to interrupt your story. Go ahead. But that connection with him is what... You know, that's what music is. It's just you were in a dark place. He's been in a dark place and he's written these amazing pop songs about love and optimism and hope, you know, and I, you know, this I I joke about it, but I put my headphones on, man, and I go and I go for a run or a bike ride or or, uh, you know, just dancing alone in the park. They lift me. Not a surf lifts me. And you know, always love, um, you know, waiting for something. Um, and this one, uh, I wrote about this. This was my last piece for City Pages. I wrote about Not A Surf's record. Um, and it's my favorite record of the year. Um, and it really 
has helped me uh, during the pandemic and being isolated and without hope sometimes every time I put it on, it's lifted me and, and, you know, kind of set my recalibrated me or set my rudder anew. So thank you very much, Jim Walsh. Thanks you guys. Always good to see your face. Thank you, Sean. You too. Thank you. Audio quip and all the people. What's that? Friendly faces that you are. Oh, I thought you said puffy white Irish faces that we are. I was <laughs> pretty sure that's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what Fisherman's it's. friends, I'm telling oh. you. Brian, Fisherman's friends, dial it up. Fisherman's friends on Netflix. Okay. All right, then. I'll have to check that Fisherman's one out. Friends. Friends. Uh, an amazing local Fuck writer and <laughs> music reviews. Dingo ate my baby. Dingo. Oh, wait. Wrong, wrong country. Anyway, let's go ahead and wrap this up before it goes entirely off the rails. That'll do it for the Brian Oak Show. Thanks, everybody out there on Patreon. Thanks to AudioQuip.com. And everyone else will leave you with the Jim Walsh pick of Not a Surf on the Brian Oak Show. The weight of the world must have ripped my mind